Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Situational depression is a type of depression that occurs after a traumatic event and resolves over time. The trouble with labeling someone with situational depression is it's difficult to know if the depression is a lifelong mental health condition or not. Rob Rufus is the author of Die Young With Me, a book about how his punk rock dreams were cut short when he found out he had a rare form of cancer that had already developed to stage four. As he lay in a hospital bed for months, undergoing numerous surgeries, Rob fought hard to beat the cancer and tried to push depression aside. Rob's also the drummer of melodic punk band Blacklist Royals, formed by him and his twin brother Nate when they were teenagers growing up in West Virginia. It's a band he thought he'd have to give up on forever. Spoiler alert, he eventually returns to his place behind the kit and writing songs. His depression has come and gone over the years, but whether it's situational or not, he always comes out the other side. This is Rob Rufus. I played drums and write songs for the punk band Blacklist Royals and the um, band The Bad Signs. My new band is Nubs and Her Studs. I'm also an author. My first book, Die Young With Me, is a book about my coming of age with punk rock and getting stage four cancer and how that affected my coming of age and, and kind of everything after that. I'm sure it doesn't surprise you after living in a hospital for a few years. I definitely um, struggled with mental health issues, especially in my 20s. And I remember reading in the book that the mental health and depression really came on strong, obviously, when you were dealing with the cancer. And I'm wondering if that was a cart before the horse kind of a thing where you were dealing with those issues before the cancer? I, <laughs> I, I was always mopey. I, I can't tell you if I was actually depressed. I mean, at the time, my life had kind of got on the upswing for once, you know, because I'd finally gotten a girlfriend and my band was doing stuff. So it kind of really took the wind out of my sails. I remember when they would have the therapist and the um, people like that come to see me when I was in the hospital and I was just like, I don't have time for this shit. You know, I was very, I was very laser focused. I, I couldn't let myself get depressed. And I think by the time I could, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty intense, <laughs> 10 years later or whatever. I just remember reading in the book about how your health just put a full stop to your punk and to your bands yeah. and even to your to your friend circles in your life. 
I definitely uh, felt um, on the outside looking out. And I know that's something other people felt for various reasons. But yeah, it was a trip, uh, especially of a twin brother, you know what I mean? It was a very mirror image type of thing. But I have to be kind of grateful for those experiences because I uh, really think it's informed my writing, my fiction writing, especially. It made me very empathetic and I'm grateful for that because I don't know if I would have been otherwise. I could definitely, I mean, I'm still a prick, but, you know, <laughs> not in the same ways. I understand, you know, how you'd want to keep it separate between body and mind. Yeah. Uh, having gone through that. Do you remember what you were thinking when people came in and were sort of asking around about more of the mental health side? I think I just thought it was fucking stupid the first time. And it was because uh, I was 17 for one, which is a lot of it. I was in like incredible pain. This is kind of just right when I got diagnosed and started chemo and stuff. And he was trying, you know, like meditation stuff. And I was just like, man, fuck off, dude. I, I just want to sleep. I mean, you, you feel so terrible that it just wasn't something I was, I was just a very antagonistic overall, you know, and I think then it would get to the point if they would ask me about if I was having this feeling or this or this or that, I, I, I'd say, no, I'm fine just because I wanted to get out of there, which is definitely not like a healthy way to, to deal with that. But, you know, I was just making the best of a bad situation, I think. Yeah, the, the feeling of hopelessness and feeling depressed. Yeah. There was a lot of physical incapabilities as well. Sure. Yeah, I had to get one of my lungs removed and all kinds of other stuff. And that, of course, was a complete mind fuck. And uh, it wasn't like something that was expected, you know what I mean? It's like I woke up like that. Yeah, I really like bottled all that shit up until I was in like, I was 30, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I'm sure is a common theme to musicians and artist types. You know, I, I kind of dealt with it in more self-destructive type of ways. But that's what most 20-year-olds do. It seems like mental health has become really way more normalized. And I really think that's awesome, critical, especially uh, as you see the world go fucking bonkers, you know, like I've, there's a lot of people out there that could benefit from it. I know I certainly did. Was writing the book therapeutic for you? to retrace all that stuff? In, in a way, I mean, I definitely didn't do it for therapeutic reasons, you know, I think I did it more out of spite for books like The Fault in Our Stars and stuff because I just thought they were utter bullshit. Um, it definitely was therapeutic. It was really great, you know, when I was in my 20s, my mid-20s and stuff, it was really when my band Black Lasorals was doing the most. And I was miserable like half the time because I was so fucked up after everything. And I'd really tried hard to like shut it out. I mean, one of the great things about touring was that nobody knew me as like a guy that had cancer. You know, I met different people every night. I, I didn't have to think about that or like really face those issues. When I read the book, it reminded me who I was and made me kind of come to terms with a lot of that stuff. And, and my life's definitely been better for it. 
So after you were done writing it, did you have a sense of peace around it or was it just blah, get it out on the page and then <laughs> wait for the repercussions to come? <laughs> I mean, what I definitely wasn't prepared for was the amount of people that would hit me up weren't necessarily related to cancer. I mean, that didn't really surprise me, but people hit me up just going through anything that could really empathize and relate and felt like I was empathizing with them. And so, especially when the book first came out, I mean, I was getting people hitting me up every day, literally, and it was like incredible, but it was also a lot, a lot to deal with, you know, because these people related to me and like when they tell me their sad story, I relate to it too. I actually had to go to therapy to kind of learn tools to uh, deal with that. I didn't really want it to affect me. You know, sometimes I'd hear from people or talk to people and I'd be down for like the whole week just thinking about some person I've never even met, you know, that reached out to me going, God, so terrible. And it still happens and it's never easy, but I, I always appreciate things staying in context. The plus side of hearing about people's trauma and stuff is, is remembering how lucky you might be in the present moment. When you put your books out into the world, a lot of writers are just really scared to put it out there. You don't seem like the type that would be like that. No, I mean, I, I, I guess there's a little bit, but honestly, I like to have enough buffers between me and the release of a book that I feel pretty confident. And like, if all these people that are way more literary types than me didn't catch something or didn't think something was too offensive or too whatever, then, uh, then, then I usually feel pretty good about it. For folks that haven't read the Die Young With Me book, Blacklist Royals was such a huge part of you and your brother and your friends' childhoods and into yeah. your teens. Thinking back on that now, when people ask you about it, what do you tell them? I think the most recent thing I've said about that or reflected on that was I'll talk to a lot of musicians. I know a lot of musicians here and I live in Nashville. So there's a lot of classically trained, incredible musicians. Me and my friends never gave a shit about being musicians. You know, we just wanted to be in a band. We just thought music, punk music was awesome and we wanted to be in a band and whatever instrument was available, <laughs> that's what we would play. Most of my friends, especially back from touring, kind of started bands the same way. And I feel really lucky to have come at it that way. It's just a way more special way to play with people that I've never even met before we walked onto the stage, you know what I mean? It's way more special when it's a thing that starts in the basement. And I'm really lucky to still be playing music with my brother. It's always kind of the same band because the two of us are always in it. So it, it just feels like an extension of the same thing, no matter what we're doing. And that's cool reading your lyrics and the songs for the band. I'm wondering what it's like to go through something like that when you're younger and then what you carry forward with your outlook and your positivity around life. Right after it happened, I mean, it definitely made me a very angry person. It was made me a very like emotional, fucked up kind of person. Once I dealt with those kind of issues and once I really, I, I, I mean, the ironic thing is like, it was only through like really facing it again that it changed my outlook back to the way it changed it when I was 17. Like when we were teenagers and that happened to me, it was like, I'm fucking focused 
I'm doing what I want to do with my life while I can do it. And that's it. I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't so lucky, you know, and, and I feel like um, my outlook in life right now is really like that I'm on borrowed time. And even though we all are, last April was, it had been 20 years since I, I got diagnosed with cancer. And like back then they said I wasn't going to live to 20. So it was a big fucking deal. And it really put things in perspective to me to really make the most of things and not fall into the games of society and, and whatever that can really have this negative effect on us, even if we don't necessarily know it is. I'm not grateful to have gone through that. That's bullshit, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful to uh, have the outlook and the, the view of people's experiences in the world that I have. Did writing the book traumatize you or re-traumatize you from what you've gone through? I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably. I mean, it was more of a, a triumph than anything. You know, it was something I, I didn't know if I could do that a lot of people told me I couldn't do, you know, what the fuck, you're a drummer, dude. And I never stopped working on it. And it took me like five or six years. And I sent it out to a bunch of people and nobody really hit me up. And then a couple agents hit me up. And then actually the day, the day after Blacklist Rose got dropped from our record label and I was going like, what the fuck am I going to do? I got the call that Simon & Schuster wanted to publish it, and it was just like such a triumph and really reinstilled my my belief in putting the pedal to the metal and not really waiting around for something to happen, you know. Was that something that you thought you might do at some point in your life? If I just had an unpublished manuscript in a desk, that would be cool. When the book came out, I was like, nah, fuck that. That's not enough. It was just a really special thing and really encouraged me to, to keep doing it. And my, my fans were really great. And a lot of people in the literary community really were encouraging to me. And, and my brother was like, you got to try to get this made into a movie and really pushed me into screenwriting as well. And I'm working on a TV show right now. So that's, it's very exciting. You seem really busy. That's great. Keep keeping yeah. yourself occupied. Yeah, man, I'm trying I know a lot of folks have what's called imposter syndrome, and I think it's very real. Yeah, yeah. There's a constant feeling that I'm in a room that I'm not supposed to be in, and that is very real. Spite is very inspiring to me. If I feel like I'm in a room I'm not supposed to be in, I, which I do all the time, I usually feel insecure, but I definitely try to prove those people wrong you know what i mean and it doesn't always work and there's still a lot of motherfuckers that like to make you feel that way i mean especially in the entertainment business i've had people talk down to me in the publishing world in ways that blew my mind trying to get a movie about your life and you having cancer the most traumatic thing you've ever been through and uh, people in hollywood are always so sensitive when they're talking about that kind of stuff it can be tough I feel, I feel like I'm an imposter when I'm in a day job too. I feel like more of an imposter being at a day job than I do being in these rooms with these obnoxious assholes that have gotten into the arts just to make money off artists. I just try to think of that as an uncomfortable means to an end. It's like going into a uh, 
truck stop bathroom at 4 a.m. on tour in fucking Louisiana or something. Like, you don't want to be in here. Everybody's disgusting. You just got to get in and get out without fucking <laughs> and make it out alive and move on to the next cool thing you're trying to do. Like, <laughs> I try to focus on that. It's tough. And I really feel like uh, the, the business side of things, they really prey on that. They're very happy to exacerbate that feeling. And I say it all the time, no matter what it is, like teaching, music, art, when they find out it's your passion, you're fucked because they're going to manipulate you and make you feel like less than, um, and, and you just, you got to put that out of your mind. And luckily the step one is getting in the room, publishing and in screenwriting, the same method I, I tried to use to get into the punk rock when I was in middle school. I'd make a list of fucking bands and make a list of record labels. Then I'd look up those bands' managers. Then I'd look up whatever and I'd send them all tapes. And I probably sent out a hundred manuscripts of my book. I did the same thing with screenwriting. And you have to go into it knowing that most people won't give a shit. But if one does, that, that's all that really matters. It's tough not to feel like an imposter. I just don't see a way around it. Like, and that's probably not very healthy that I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to feel like that either way. Like, I feel like it's either that or I'm a giant egomaniac. I think my ego is already enough of an issue. I totally understand about the idea of feeling like you're alone in the room. Yeah. I think that punk is an armor and a shield for folks that maybe they've been able to hold on to when they don't feel like they fit in. I think so too. I mean, punk is the ultimate lean into it. You know what I mean? It's a great flip of the script where you go, okay, you're going to make me uncomfortable. I'm going to spike my hair and do whatever. And I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Uh, we're going to play as loud and fast as we can. And you can tell me we're not worth shit. I definitely think that's a great shield. And especially when you're a real like punk rocker that grew up with that stuff as your religion, it's ingrained in you no matter what you end up doing. And it informed your life from so early on as well. Yeah, oh, for sure. And um, I mean, for better and for worse, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but even still, I, I feel very lucky for that. How much of a factor did the punk rock music and scene play in your recovery and getting well and coming out of the cancer with the optimism and the hope? It helped endlessly, you know what I mean? If I needed something positive, there was fucking great posi-core type stuff. If I needed something pissed off, there was that too. Those were probably my two <laughs> constant emotions at the time. So it was great. And, and the community was really cool, you know, like... When you're going through chemo and your fucking hair falls out and your eyebrows fall out and your body fluctuates all the time and you really feel like you look different than everybody else, a punk show is a great place to, to get treated like you're just like anybody else. Very important for creative folks to have self-care. Yeah. How are you with that? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I thought I'd ask. <laughs> I, uh, I'm okay, but, but when I burn myself out, I, I burn myself out. Like it's just, 
especially with writing, it becomes really hard to to take a beat, you know, like I, I have so much stuff in my head that it'll be like, okay, I'm going to work from 6 a.m. to midnight until I get this done, and then I'm going to take a week off. And that's kind of really what I'm trying to do because I, I don't usually stop and smell the roses that much. <laughs> my birthday was a couple of days ago, and I've been under a ton of pressure, and and I had a fucking panic attack like that morning because I had made plans to go do stuff, but I was like, knew I should be staying home and working. And I was just like, man, you're not going to be any good to anybody if you get your head this twisted up. Like, I got to be able to think creatively. And so I took the day off and went to the movies and with my friends. And I'm really trying to tread the line between staying, uh, busy enough to stay positive and not working myself into that negative headspace. Listening to your body. Yeah. Your mind. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My body always feels like shit, but I am trying to listen to my mind a little more than I used to. Have you had much physical remnants of the cancer? Like, are you still having a lot of pain? Yeah. I, having one lung, definitely like, I, I so have like, less than half of a normal person's breathing capacity. I've pretty bad hearing loss because of the chemo and like I have nerve damage in my hands and feet. So I am super clumsy. I drop shit all the time. I have to take medication for all that. And I've, and I've really, I still have chronic pain, like pretty severely on my back and stuff from the surgery, just moving that much shit around inside of somebody really it's caused a lot of issues and it's, kind of just a fact of life now but uh as long as i can keep it at a manageable level there's not really much i can do you know how do you feel about people saying that you've inspired them or that you've made them think differently about their lives i feel like of course i mean you talk about fucking imposter syndrome (laughs) but um but i do think that if I can impart some of the empathy I gained from those experiences to other people without them having to go through similar experiences. And if I can make people who have gone through traumatic things feel seen, quote unquote, even if I don't understand exactly what they went through, I understand that I don't understand. Then I think that's fucking awesome. And I, and I think I'm, doing something to pay the enormous debt you feel like you owe when you survive something that so many other people don't. How does punk rock inform your life? Oh, man, I mean, it informs my day-to-day, dude. I'm not even going to lie. One, I still get to play punk rock, and I love punk rock music. And my life's been kind of weird because the older I've gotten, the more creative I get to be and the more I get to use my imagination and the more I use my imagination the younger I feel and the older I get the younger I feel the more I act like my teenage self punk rock is is everything and I feel lucky you've to hold on to a lot of some of those ethos that like most people don't get to do when they have to enter the real universe you know what I mean
Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. Yeah.